You're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, here's the OTI guys. Oh, and we're back. It's the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. And uh, we have a very excited man uh, on the show today. And I'm just going to say congratulations, DJ. The New England Patriots are the Super Bowl champions. How's that sound? Yeah, sounds good. If only the Daily Mail in the UK could get it right, Colin, would be nice. <laughs> yeah, DJ, of course, they're referencing the Daily Mail's little uh, blunder that they had. And I think uh, the New England Revolution, DJ, had quite a successful weekend as well. As they also took on the, the Seattle Seahawks, was that after or before the Super Bowl? Maybe that they, maybe they softened up the, the Seahawks a little bit before the game, or was it after? Yeah, maybe Russell Wilson thought he was going for a throw-in and <laughs> rather than a, a pass, but... Yeah, great, fantastic weekend, Colm. Really enjoyed it and, well, was actually nervous for the majority of the game. And Nervous, I think, DJ, there's a, a slight understatement from sitting beside you watching it. I think uh, on the verge of a heart attack might have been a better way to describe it. Yeah, it, it, had, it certainly had its <laughs> moments, Colm, and at least now I can recuperate for the whole off-season. Yeah, and it's obviously easier to recuperate with uh, the team winning the Super Bowl rather than the team losing the Super Bowl. We're going to talk, obviously, about the game, and we're going to have a special guest on. We have our kind of, well, we will call him our Patriots reporter here, DJ, a good friend of DJ and myself, and it's Ross Goldman from Patriots 4th and 2. DJ talked with him to uh, break down the game, talk about some of the stuff. I'm sure uh, I haven't got to listen to this interview yet, but I'm sure it's very heavily involved with uh, Patriots love. I'm sure there's probably a few digs at the Seahawks, but hopefully uh, if there's any Seahawks fans who have grinned and bared it after unfortunately for them losing the Super Bowl and you know dramatic circumstances they'll they'll enjoy it too hopefully you know we're going to lean back DJ and think about when you know just two short weeks ago when the, the Packers lost in devastating fashion to the Seahawks and you know looking back it must feel very very similar for the Seahawks although they were in the Super Bowl doing it the Packers threw away an opportunity to get to the Super Bowl in similar circumstances so very very unfortunate for them but I'm sure as you and Russ talk in a moment it's uh, not going to be too sympathetic towards them but as always DJ starting the show we have Last Word on Sport of course they are our partners here at Overtime Ireland please do check out their website lastwordonsport.com check out the radio network they have now and you can find that through their website that's Last Word on Sport Radio and of course their Twitter handle is at Last Word on Sport we also ran a competition over the weekend with footballamerica.co.uk and you know they're a great site I mentioned I, I, I plugged them a lot on the show last week very very good at what they do for it providing fantastic products you know for anyone playing the game or you know want to have some stuff just playing about want a ball to play about with your mates and that uh, they have really everything up in the store from helmets to cleats to to pads everything you need to play the game of american football so do check them out it's footballamerica.co.uk their twitter handle is at f america and uh, that competition was for an nfl game ball and it's going to be given away at the end of today's podcast so do stay tuned for that later in the show if you entered uh, good luck and we'll be having the draw see if you have uh, won the nfl game ball and of course, our Twitter handle, at Overtime Ireland, do check that out. Check out OvertimeIreland.com for all the stuff going up uh, on the site. And Eli Booksavers already told us he's really excited about recapping the Patriots-Seahawks Super Bowl game and picking out some of the key points and that. So looking forward to posting that on the site later in the week. DJ, uh, I guess we'll get straight in now to the interview you done with Russ Goldman, the two of you's, uh, I'm sure, sharing a lot of Patriots love on this one. So uh, let's go and I guess the recap's going to say recap all the games. There's one game. Let's recap this weekend's NFL action. It's the OTI Weekend Roundup. I'm delighted to be joined on the show now by friend of the show, Russ Goldman, also host of Patriots 4th and 2. Very good podcast. And if you want to hear more about the world champions, be sure to check out 
Patriots, fourth and two. Good afternoon, Russ. Good afternoon there, DJ. How are you doing? Are you still reveling in the victory? Yeah, absolutely delighted. I think we both spoke at the start of, um, during last offseason and said, you know, if the Patriots could keep the likes of Darrell Rivas, Rob Gronkowski, and Tom Brady fit, that they could get to the Super Bowl, and then ultimately they've went on to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, listen, I thought that was the key, and it's funny. It's It would also be the key moving forward, uh, you know, again, as long as uh, Darrell Rivas stays with the New England Patriots. And uh, if those three guys can stay healthy for next season, it would be the same exact situation. They'll be in the mix. And uh, everything revolves around your three main players and uh, because they make everyone around them better. So the fact that they were able to play throughout the season, fairly healthy uh, was a big deal. And then getting to the Super Bowl, having a healthy Rob Gronkowski definitely was a benefit in this game. Yeah, and Russ, starting off, Patriots got into the lead and then probably should have been leading by more and then got clawed back just before halftime when that touchdown was scored by the Seahawks with, I think it was two seconds left in the clock at the end of the first half. Did that have you a bit worried about how the game might go? It did. I, th- I actually thought the Patriots were in trouble because everything is about momentum in, in uh, the National Football League. They had all the momentum going into the second half, and they also were going to get the second half kickoff. So I was concerned moving into the second half because uh, before the game, DJ, I really thought for the Patriots to win this game, I thought they needed to win comfortably, meaning that I, I, a close game I thought favored Seattle because of the way that they play. Uh, you know, again, they, you know, they they played to the bitter end. But as we found out, so do the Patriots. You know, but again, I guess, I guess deep down, I, w- I wanted a more comfortable ending. Uh, you know, again, we we can talk about how the game actually ended, but I truly b- believed at halftime. I'm not lying to you. I thought the Patriots were in trouble. Yeah, and Russ, I think it was throughout the game. I was when I was watching it, I thought, you know, when the Seahawks started targeting Chris Matthews, that. Perhaps the Patriots needed to put somebody like Brandon Browner on him, that Kyle Arrington was kind of mismatch facing Matthews. Listen, I thought that was a key, and it's funny because, again, that goes back to the Patriots' way. You know, again, they made made an adjustment, and they took Kyle Arrington off of him and put Brandon Browner on him, and that, that obviously negated what Matthews was able to do, because if you look at the game, DJ, uh, you know, again, from a Patriots perspective in the first half, like you said, it was, it was, you know, I hate to use this word deflating being 14 to 14 at the half, because I thought the Patriots outplayed the, uh, the Seattle Seahawks in the first half, but the score doesn't lie. It's 14, 14. And uh, part of, part of moving forward was going to be adjustments. What were they going to do against a player that was, that was making plays because Russell Wilson wasn't methodically driving his team down the field. He was he was going deep, and uh, they actually had a player that that was taking advantage of, of his passes. You know, I gotta give Russell Wilson a tremendous amount of credit because he was taking advantage of the height differential between him and Kyle Arrington, and it worked out great for them. So for the fact that the Patriots made that adjustment and moved Brandon Browner on him was key because if you go back and you look at the matchups and you look at what the Patriots did defensively in the first half against their receivers, they basically blanketed them. So Russell Wilson went after a target that was probably his fourth or fifth target, and uh, and it paid dividends to his credit. Yeah, and going in at halftime, 14-all, like you, I was a bit worried that the Patriots weren't bothering. Then 
in the third quarter. Seahawks got a field goal and then a touchdown. When they went 10 points up, being 100% honest, I wasn't very confident that the Patriots would be able to get back that 10-point deficit. I know they had done it against the Ravens and that, but the Seahawks' D, I thought, might have held up a bit longer. But thankfully, the Patriots went and they hit the Seahawks with two fourth-quarter touchdowns. You know what, that that was a key part of this game. They're down 10 points, and, and uh, you know, it's funny because I've heard many in the media say this uh, over here. They thought at that point the Seahawks were going to roll and, and turn it into a route. And, it, listen, it could have gone one or two ways. It went the other way. Thank God for Patriots fans around the world that it went the way that the uh, that Broncos last year when that onslaught came. And part of the game, they go down and they actually score you know, a key play, I don't know if you re- remember this, DJ, was third and 14 on that drive that that uh, eventually ended up with Danny Amendola scoring a touchdown pass. You know, again, Julian Edelman catches a third, a third down and 14th uh, pass that keeps that drive going. And he also had another pass on that drive, another third down conversion there. So Julian Edelman was key on that drive, and eventually, which led to the touchdown uh, pass to, to – uh, to Danny Amendola, but at that point, when they're only down three, I'm thinking, okay, they need one stop. They need they need to get the ball back, and then then we really have something. And that's exactly what happened at that point. They got the ball back and went down the field. And Edelman, you know, again, w- was huge in this game. Scores scores the touchdown to put the Patriots ahead. And uh, you know, at that point, you know, I was thinking to myself, two minutes left, a little over two minutes left, DJ. This game is far from over. I I had flashbacks to the um, to the undefeated season to that Super Bowl against the Giants because the Giants had about the same amount of time. Could the Patriots make that stop and win the game? You know, again, you know, I didn't see the way it was going to turn out that way, but but it really came down to the defense. Could the defense make a stop? They couldn't make it in in, in that Super Bowl in 2008, but they made it in 2015. Yeah, and Russ, when, that, when Russell Wilson threw the second last play of the game, and it went to, I think it might have been Jermaine Kearse, who ended up falling on the ground, and the ball still managed to land in his hands. At that point, I really did think the Seahawks probably were just going to run the ball in, get the touchdown. I was screaming at the TV, hoping that Bill Belichick would call a timeout so that it would stop the clock, but Bill just kept letting the clock run down, and... Thankfully, Pete Carroll decided that Russell Wilson should give the ball to Malcolm Butler, and he managed to get the ball and get the interception. You know what? It was a very that was just like uh, to the one with with um, with Marshawn Lynch. So you're thinking, okay, they're going to go right back to him. Um, but again, you know, after the game, I, I heard Pete Carroll's comments on it, and the Patriots ha- had a had a goal line defense, so they decided at that point to go to a different play. And luckily enough, and again, this goes back to preparation, DJ. This goes back to to uh, you know to to um, to doing your job. To you know to again situational football. They had practiced this exact play with Malcolm Butler in practice two days before the game, and Malcolm Butler kept getting burnt by Jimmy Garoppolo playing the role of Russell Wilson. But in the Super Bowl, he he did his job and made the play. And, you know, again, it's funny because everyone's focusing on Malcolm Butler, which they should be. A key part of this was Brandon Browner making, you know, you know, basically opening up the way for him to loop around and make a beeline to um, 
to beat the receiver to the ball. You know, again, Brandon Brown is not getting enough talk on that play, but he really was integral to to that interception. It doesn't happen without his block against the other receiver because it really was a rub play, a pick play, whatever you want to talk about it. So Brandon Bronner was very important on that, and Malcolm Butler made the play, possibly the play of the Super Bowl of all time because I've never seen something that dramatic you know, decide a Super Bowl before. You know, again, I've heard the the comparison to Scott Norwood missing the field goal, and, and it is similar to that. Back in you know back years ago for the uh, for the Buffalo Bills, it really was that dramatic, and uh, that play changes so many legacies. It's not even funny. Ben Ross, Tom Brady ended up getting the MVP award for the Super Bowl. And I don't know what your views on it. I thought maybe Julian Edelman should have been given strong consideration for it, given that Brady threw the two interceptions and only threw four touchdowns and was very efficient in his play in the game, getting. 37 completions out of 50 attempts. Would would you give it to Tom Brady, or was there somebody else that you would have considered for the award? Well, it's funny because I I would have done what what Disney ended up doing. Disney ended up sending Julian Edelman and uh, and Malcolm Butler to to Disneyland. I I, I would have I would have made a co MVPs and sent them and uh, and basically made it Malcolm Butler and Julian Edelman. That's what I would have done because both of them were huge in this game. You know, again, the Patriots don't win the Super Bowl without Malcolm Butler. They certainly don't win the Super Bowl without the efforts of Julian Edelman. Uh, Tom Brady, you know, again, had had a great game, but like you mentioned, had those two interceptions that that changed the game in itself. You know, again, the Patriots were driving early in the game, and he threw a very bad interception. In the second half, he threw another bad interception, which led to seven points for the Seattle Seahawks. Again, overall, Tom Brady had a... Tremendous game, four touchdown passes, but but you can't forget about those two interceptions. And Julian Edelman again just did his job and scored, you know, the the, uh, the eventual winning touchdown. So for me, why not give it to the to the two guys that were integral overall in in solidifying the victory? That would be Julian Edelman, and then later on Malcolm Butler. Yeah, I fully agree. The two players did have a major game, and I was I was. Sub- I wasn't surprised that they give the award to Tom Brady. They tend to go with the quarterback unless there is something spectacular that happens with one of the other players. But I think Malcolm Butler's stop on the line certainly would have been strong consideration for giving him the award. And hopefully we'll be seeing the Patriots back in the Super Bowl next season. And I'm sure the atmosphere over in Boston at present is quite exciting. It's, uh, it's very exciting. Unfortunately... I don't know if you're aware of it, DJ. We had a major snowstorm here the last uh, 24 hours, and we're still digging ourselves out. I've, I actually just got out this morning, and the team uh, returned last night, and, and I was surprised to see how many people were down at Gillette Stadium. I couldn't get out to, to go down and, uh, and congratulate them, myself and my family. We wanted to go, but we couldn't, we, we couldn't get out. We had so much snow here. Uh, so, unfortunately, we couldn't get out until – until this morning, and then the parade is tomorrow, Wednesday. So you know, listen, everyone here is so excited. We can't, you know, we can't wait for the parade, and uh, it really is a wonderful time to be a Patriots fan. You know, uh, through everything that's happened, um, this one is pretty special. I'm trying. I was trying to think of which one is the most special for me. I, I think it still has to be the first one for me. The 2003 team for me is very special in my heart. 
But um, this one is different. This one had meaning behind it. And uh, I'll always remember this one as well. You know, again, because of uh, everything that the Patriots had to overcome to win it is is trite, is uh, quite spectacular. So it really is uh, special. Let me ask you, DJ, you know, as a Patriots fan, uh, when Malcolm Butler intercepted the pass, what did you do? Yeah, well, Ross, uh, thankfully the TV was quite far away. So when I jumped it, didn't come in contact with me, but it was quite exciting. I was watching it with a number of fans of other teams and, of course, co-host Colum, big Packers fan. He was just hoping the Patriots won so that the Seahawks didn't. Still a bit disappointed <laughs> with how the Seahawks game finished against the Packers. And he was he was saying that the Packers would have beat the Patriots. I was saying, I said it on last week's podcast, I would have rather be facing the Packers with us. I thought it would have been a bit of an easier game for the Patriots, but... We all ended up quite happy and very exciting. And I don't know if you've seen this, Russ, but uh, it's quite comical. A British tabloid, the Daily Mail, give the <laughs> Super Bowl to the New England Revolutions. I actually did see that. I was I could not believe that. I could not believe that headline. Someone said it to me. And, uh, you know, it just... <laughs> uh, yeah, I saw that. That, that, was, just, that was just foolish. Um, and really foolish of the Daily Mail. I, I, I did see that. But, but um, DJ, I just wanted to share this re- real quick with you about my own experience with my family. You know, it, it's funny because watching that play and watching that game with my son, my son Brady is, is seven years old, and, uh, you know, he was actually taking it pretty badly leading up to that interception, and it brought me back to me being a little boy watching the Patriots in 1976 lose to the Oakland Raiders in the playoffs, and the Raiders uh, eventually ended up winning the Super Bowl. It brought me back to that place. I really felt for my son. So it was so fantastic to see his reaction to that interception my entire family. I mean, I mean, seriously, I'm not kidding. I thought we were going to blow out the windows in my house. Yeah, it's, it's, it's great. And I must, I must say, at the start of the season, it was kind of cautious optimism that the Patriots would maybe get a good run into the playoffs and then the closer it got to the Super Bowl and the fact they were taking on the Seahawks it was nice to see them get a victory over the Seahawks and especially just to see the luck on Marshawn Lynch and more particularly Richard Sherman's face when that was intercepted by Malcolm Butler you know you know it's funny because uh I look at I look at the whole thing when when again the catch the catch went down to the five-yard line, and I'm thinking, oh, I cannot believe this is going to happen for a third time to the New England Patriots. And and uh, and then I thought, okay, what goes around comes around. Because, again, the Seahawks ha- had a little little fortunate luck at the end of the game. You know, again, the uh, the um, the kickoff, you know, the, you know, um, you know, getting the ball on the kickoff, you know, the uh, you know, that that worked their way and and things seemed to work itself out. And then everything came full circle with the New England Patriots. And they were able to get, you know, to basically win the game on, on such a play. You know, again, I, I, I feel bad for the Seahawks fans. I do. I, I've seen reactions from Seahawks fans on YouTube, and, and it's it's heartbreaking because I've been there. I, I, I get that. I understand that. But at the same time, I got to see, I don't know if you get a chance, DJ, go to YouTube and just put in uh, a Malcolm Butler fan reaction, and you will see all these Patriots videos of fans that, that put up videos and their reactions to that play, it is quite amazing and wonderful to see. I would highly recommend, if you're a Patriots fan, go to YouTube and watch those because that will really show you the emotion that, that Patriots fans had on that play. Yeah, and Patriots fans, when during the offseason, be sure to check out 
Patriots 4th and 2, that's Russ's podcast. And any other ways people can get in contact with you, Russ? Sure, they can follow me on Twitter at Russ underscore Goldman. They can follow the show Patriots 4th and 2 also on Twitter. They can also listen to my show Patriots 4th and 2 on blogtalkradio.com. You can listen to it on the TuneIn app. It's a great way to listen to my show Patriots 4th and 2. I'm also on another podcast, believe it or not, called Patriots Central Radio. And I also have a have a podcast about Fulham Football Club if you're interested in them called Cottage Talk and you can listen to that on blogtalkradio.com and also on the TuneIn app as well. So I'm doing a little bit of everything, DJ. I'm, you know, but I mean, this week is all, I shouldn't say it's all about the Patriots, but the, but the majority is about the Patriots right now. And uh, I'm just excited they got that, that fourth Lombardi trophy. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Yeah, and Russ, hopefully you and your family all have a good time celebrating the Vince Lombardi returning to Foxborough. You know, I'm I'm looking forward to taking my family down to the Hall of Patriot Place and looking at all four trophies. Um, the three of them are, are there now in in cases, and the fourth will sure, surely have have its own case as well. So it'll just be wonderful to to see all of them together and take a picture of those. And uh, it really, you know, again, being being a fan for over 40 years, uh, DJ, I was just hoping that that they'd win one more. You know, again, I I could live a happy man with three. But four is just a little bit nicer. You know, having that fourth 10 years later is, is quite amazing. And, and the fact that my, my kids are old enough to enjoy it is, is even better. So so it, this is really a special time for me, my family, and for Patriots fans everywhere, including yourself. I'm happy for you, my friend. Yeah, and we'll be talking to Russ again later on in the offseason as we head towards the draft and even further on. And hopefully you have a good time over the next couple of days, Russ. And best of luck to you and all the Patriots fans over there in Boston. Thank you, DJ. It's always a pleasure coming on your great podcast. Hey, this is Scott Fujita, former NFL linebacker and Super Bowl champion, and you're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. So, DJ, that was you and Russ, obviously. Follow Russ on Twitter. It's at Russ underscore Goldman. And, uh, you know, lot, lots of interesting stuff there, DJ, regarding the Patriots and how the game went. But anything you didn't uh, discuss with him that you want to go through now? Maybe some questions you might even ask him that you want to get my thoughts on uh, fire away? Well, Colm, I said it during the game on, or at the end of the game on the official Overtime Ireland Twitter. It's at Overtime Ireland. Shameless plug there yet again. <laughs> but I said that I thought that maybe Julian Edelman should have got the MVP award in the game and Ross had read. Ross even said that maybe they should have had a co-MVP, I suppose you would say, in Julian Edelman and Malcolm Butler. Malcolm Butler got the interception mm-hmm. at the end of the game and Ultimately, the award went to Tom Brady, and it wasn't much of a surprise that tends to go to the quarterback off the Super Bowl winning team. Would you give it to Brady, or would you have had another player in mind? Well, when it first came up straight after the show, it said, uh, you know, after the game, Tom Brady was the MVP. I guess you're going to say it goes to the quarterback, but I was surprised initially that he got it. But when you look back at the game, I know he had two interceptions. He did throw four touchdowns. They had no run game, really. Everything came from the quarterback, and uh, he actually had a phenomenal game when you look back at it, you know, watch the replays. 
very very good game from and in particular age in that fourth quarter when they were coming from 10 points behind a, you know a deficit that had only been overcome once in Super Bowl history so he had a, a phenomenal game there stepping up in the pocket a number of times hitting guys like Edelman he hit Vereen for a few passes he was just picking up those chunks of yards 10 yards at a time and got the job done and you know I guess now looking back I think he's definitely awarded the MVP you mentioned Edelman had another big game he's had a big season for them he's really developed over the last couple of years and you know he's really a key part of that offense and Shane Vereen had 11 catches in the game so you know he he was another man I thought could have got a slight edge in it they had great plays from the defensive side of the ball you mentioned Butler obviously getting that interception at the end and just we're on about Butler Tom Brady said on Tuesday DJs you know people were questioning you know the MVP should Butler have been the MVP well Tom Brady has lots of cars DJ he has uh, a lot of money he has quite a few houses and has, the house he lives in in, in LA is quite uh, something to behold if anyone wants to google that on the internet but Tom Brady is uh questioned uh what he would he like to give malcolm butler the the truck you know he won that chevrolet truck uh, for the mvp and uh, he's uh, he's offered to give butler that so it'll be interesting to see how that goes down if butler accepts it and all but you know it's gonna be a, a special special thing for him if he gets a, a free truck out of it because i'm sure tom brady isn't really uh, in that much of a need off of a vehicle but you know a man coming in as a rookie obviously he's going to make some bucks uh, in his rookie deal but not as much as a guy like Tom Brady is going to make and uh, things like that mean a lot more to, to a guy like that but a phenomenal phenomenal play DJ a lot of people obviously criticizing the play call but you mentioned uh, you know he could have been thinking he was going to throw in but if you look there's a free frame just before uh, Russell Wilson releases the ball and you can see the butler's about two yards into the end zone then you have curse just about to make the break and it just looks like he's wide open it looks really from the the snapshot that there's no way that it's not going to be a touchdown for the Seattle Seahawks and just a phenomenal play the force that he came in just hit the man onto the ground and obviously to catch the ball the ball hit his shoulder pad and usually if that happens the ball just deflects away a great great catch and you know it's going to go down as one of the best interceptions in Super Bowl history and rightly so and just in that key moment you know you don't get much more spectacular than that and a big big play from the rookie playing with guys easy like Darrell Revis, you've been talking him up all season, you know, Revis Island and so on. But, you know, things things go underestimated as guys like Darrell Revis talking to a man like Malcolm Butler in training to say, you know, all the way back to OTAs, look, if this here happens, this is what you should do and so on and so forth. Branton Browner obviously knows the, the Seahawks offense a bit. It's probably changed a slight bit since he was there last year, but he would know some of the stuff. And, you know, that was a play that uh, they've said that they had the scout team run a few times. So Butler kind of had a feel on it and he kind of thought it was happening. So he made the, made the play and a big, big play in the Super Bowl. I don't know if you talked to Russ about it, DJ, but something that we were nearly in a panic at was watching the game. I had a lot of money on the on the Patriots to win this game, as I tweeted out a few times. But you you obviously very invested as a as a Patriots supporter. But when the, when the catch was made by Curse, an, an absolutely ridiculous bobbling catch. I don't know uh, how how he managed to make it. I think it bobbled. Did it bobble five times or hit five parts of his bo- his body part or whatever? But it just looked. Uh, incredible looks like he was you know there's gonna be another kind of David Tyree catch that the Giants had in, in that one over the Patriots and two Super Bowls ago but absolutely uh, phenomenal catch and you know next thing Marshawn Lynch runs it for four yards down to the kind of one yard line half yard line and Bill Belichick doesn't call a timeout we were all kind of thinking what the hell's Bill at here and some people are questioning did he have uh, kind of a heart attack or something after after that miracle catch but you know big big questions there if uh, you know, time isn't on the clock for Brady if they do get in, and I think that's kind of what the, the Seahawks might have been thinking, but were you surprised at that point, and is that something you did talk to Russ about? Yeah, Colin, we mentioned it, and we mentioned a number of times that those various points that we thought the Seahawks really had the advantage in the game, and that the Patriots could be up against it, particularly going into the half when the Seahawks got that touchdown yeah. with uh, two seconds left on the clock, and then Ultimately, we were questioning what Bill was at when it came to 
letting the play clock run down, but in Bill we trust, shall we say, and we ended up it ended up the Patriots got the win and something I hadn't known but Russ was saying it that before two days before the Super Bowl the Patriots had actually been practicing for that kind of play where the Seahawks did throw it with that exact same kind of distance and Malcolm Butler was being burned repeatedly by Jimmy Garoppolo, so thankfully <laughs> maybe Jimmy Garoppolo's a better quarterback than Russell Wilson. Oh, maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves again here, DJ, but uh, you know, I'm a big fan of Wilson and what he does, and you know, it was just a play, as I mentioned, when he went to throw it, I think he, he even said it after the game, he thought it was definitely going to be a touchdown when he let go of the ball, and it was just a great play, but you know, as you mentioned, they, they practiced it, I think uh, you know, they recognised it was going to be a try and be a pick play, he took those, remember he said he, had, he was about two yards deep in the end zone, if he's on the, the line there, just as you go into the end zone, he gets one of those, you know, rub rights, pick play, whatever you want to call it, you know, he gets stopped by the, the wide receiver running the opposite direction, and it's kind of a block, and then... You know, it's a it's a free catch as he as he goes into the end zone. So it was a massive, massive play, and obviously something that you know the amount of re- repetitions that you do in training. You know, people talk about those reps, even the mental reps or the video work. It's all part of that there, and it all came up in a big, big spot for the rookie just at the very end of the game. Uh, you mentioned there, DJ, that their play as well at the end of the first half when those six seconds on the clock, and instead of going for the field goal, the Seahawks went for it. And you know, that's a that's a big, big play, similar to the play they got against the Packers. I've been thinking about you know how things work for teams when you get to this here point. It's very, very slim margins that sometimes depend how it goes they went for the fake field goal against the Packers got a touchdown sparked them into the game then they got the onside kick you know so on and so forth they got the two-point conversion these things were going all the, the small things were going their way at that point and then in this here one obviously that there touchdown at the end of that there and you know the it's small small margins single single plays that can jump games from one side to the other but I, I was surprised on that there I, I, was it Ryan's I think or uh, Ryan that was uh, covering Chris Matthews, a man that you know nobody had really ever heard of, was playing in the CFL last year, and was I think he was working in Foot Locker. Did they say at one stage in the game back in uh, August when he was you know picked up by the the Seahawks? I think he signed with them then, and maybe around November time. So it's been a rapid rise for him, and he put in some big big catches in this game. But the touchdown he caught, you know. You can, you can give up a, a five-yard penalty there by just uh, holding, you know, give a holding penalty or whatever, and the clock has run down. They're not going to put the time back on the clock. You might get a stop of one second to go, and I don't know. Maybe they would have went for it again. Maybe they wouldn't. But, you know, he could have just held him at the line of scrimmage, and, like, he, he stepped back into the end zone, and then with the, the mismatch of the body size, it was a, an easy catch for him. So I think, you know, if you're looking back again, if you watch the replay, maybe that's something that they should have thought about. Obviously, it is maybe we're talking about the Patriots here, so cheating isn't a problem for them, DJ, but, uh, you know, uh, it, it's something that uh, maybe they would look back and think that could have been an option for them. But overall, there was a, a lot of ebbs and flows in this game, but it really did look like the, the Seahawks were going to win it, you know, going through that fourth quarter with the 10-point lead. But Tom Brady, you know, I think in the end, you mentioned he was kind of started this all off, but the question was, should he be the MVP? I, I think that uh, rightly, when you look back through the game and how he played in that fourth quarter, uh, I think he, he he's deserving of it, but there's a you know a couple of players DJ then from this game. I suppose we'll nudge into this now. Richard Sherman has to have a Tommy John surgery after that elbow injury he picked up against the Packers. You asked me a few times during the week, do you think they're just pretending about these injuries? But you know, I, I think um, you could all see the way his arm bent in that game uh, against the Packers, and you know he had damage to the ulnar nerve. So he he's going to have surgery there. Earl Thomas is getting a second opinion to see what way he is to go. Obviously, the team was banged up. He hurt his knee on Friday's training, and you know he had a brace on it. So obviously, there was an injury there. Jeremy Lane picked off Tom Brady in that first quarter. Terrible throw by Tom Brady, DJ, and we both said that at the time. Don't really know what was going through his head at that point in time, but you know he, he recovered well from that as well. But Jeremy Lane uh, picked him off, and on the return back then, he 
got a as he got knocked down and was going to ground he uh, suffered a, a broken arm and you know it seems to be that obviously he's going to have to have uh, surgery on that there to repair that he has uh, broken both bones in his wrist and you know it's going to take him a bit of time to get recovery from that but hopefully he'll be back for the start off the season and it's just uh, obviously the NFL is a physical game we're going to hear about more and more players throughout the league having to get surgery and you know things maybe scopes and that to clean out knee joints elbow joints it's a, it's a very very physical game and it does really take a toll and so that's uh, Sherman and Thomas. There's a couple other players laying, obviously. And then uh, Dante Hightower is going to have shoulder surgery. And I'm sure there'll be more Packers, TJ, that'll... Uh, or not Packers, Patriots, sorry, that news will come out like. I'm sure there'll be many Packers as well. They'll have these little clean-up things to make sure they're right for next season. And um, We just wish all the players, I suppose, a, a speedy recovery as they go forward into next season. But, DJ, out of uh, all the stuff about the Super Bowl, is there anything else that you think that uh, needs to be picked up on? Or do you think pretty much everything covered at this point? other than Julian Edelman telling any critics that he has had over the last few years, that rather than kiss his, let's call it, backside, they can kiss the Lombardi trophy. And uh, I'm sure he's going to say to them in a few months' time when the, the Patriots are handed out their rings that uh, he can kiss my ring. Yeah, it was quite, quite nice to see Julian Edelman hitting back at the critics of the Patriots throughout the week. And I'm sure when the results of the investigation come out, we'll discuss that during the off-season. But I'm sure anybody that was on... Twitter after the Super Bowl would have seen Overtime Ireland retweeting a number of swipes at maybe Richard Chairman and Marshawn Lynch and well that, that was me in case anybody was <laughs> yeah, confused. but no overall Colin there wasn't you know thankfully the game wasn't decided by any officiating calls that there was one or two I thought were questionable but Ultimately, they didn't end up affecting the game. They yeah, went both ways. I know the one that you're, I bet you the one that you're talking about is that early punt, which should have been a 15 yard penalty, continued the pay, or the, pack, the Patriots drive. But, um, DJ, there was a lot of other stuff went on after the game and, or after that in the game. And, you know, there was a, a couple of questionable ones from both sides. But I thought overall the refs and the officials done a good job. And I thought they let most stuff go, let the players play quite physical. And overall, I think that led to a better game. And, you know, I just think it was a, a very, very good game. I think, you know, there's people already saying it's possibly the best Super Bowl uh, in history, you know, but certainly the best one of the last few years. I remember, you know, we had the whole thing with the power outage two years ago. The Ravens went on to win. They had the stand down and inside the five-yard line against the 49ers. There has been a lot of dramatic stuff in recent years, but I do think this year's the best one in the last five, six years anyway. I'll have to say that I, I think that the Packers won, won over the Steelers is the best Super Bowl in recent memory. But, uh, you know, as your team's in it, I'm sure you're going to say that this one is. It's, it's, a, it's a big thing as well. You know, obviously Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, they've been here before and people were maybe saying, like, Tom's passed it. You know, Bill hasn't got a team back and won it since Spygate and all this. So it's a big, big, you know, thing for the New England Patriots organisation and a big, big win for them. DJ, you know, coaching is uh, something that obviously... I have to give Pete Carroll a bit of credit. He came out and took full responsibility after the game for the call, and you know wasn't afraid to to speak to the media and that. And you have to give him credit for that. Uh, on the other hand, Daryl Bevel, the uh, offensive coordinator, can't uh, say the same about him. And he kind of threw Lockett under the bus after that interception. He was in Lock, Lock Lockett could have been stronger uh, and tried to fight for the ball. But I just think the the play the play by Malcolm Butler and the force if you see that he had him at. I don't think uh, Lockett could have done a whole lot more about it. And you know your offensive coordinator shouldn't really be throwing you under the bus like that. But unfortunately, sometimes that's what happened. And when we're on the subject of coordinators for the Seattle Seahawks, DJ Dan Quinn has now officially been announced as the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. And, you know, it's been probably the worst kept secret over the last uh, three or four weeks. But, you know, they, they held out. Some teams don't want to wait 
to, to get the head coach. You know, they don't wait for the team that's in the Super Bowl of that. But the Atlanta Falcons here, I think they've got a good hire. And Dan Quinn done a fantastic job with the Seattle Seahawks defense. We all know how good they've been the last three years. But, you know, it's one thing drafting a lot of defensive players and so on and so forth. It's another thing getting guys like Earl Thomas, Richard Sherman and co to, you know, Cam Chancellor to, to fit into those slots. So it's going to be interesting to see how their, their draft goes and uh, how things go for them in the future. But I think, uh, you know, he, he is definitely a good coach, but he had some fantastic pieces there too. So we'll see how he goes to develop that uh, Falcons defense in particular. And of course, they have uh, some very, very good pieces on offense with the likes of Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. So it's going to be going to be interesting to see how he turns that organization uh, onto an upward curve. But DJ, a couple other pieces in news, I suppose we'll run through. Uh, San Diego Chargers center Nick Hardwick's to retire, you know. Had a, had a good career, 11-year veteran, but he's had a lot of injuries over the last few years, and particularly last season. So it's it's a it's a big loss here for the Chargers. Maybe it was something that was I don't know if it was expected or not expected, but I think uh, you know they had a few different centers last year, and uh, it, it it took them time to kind of get that offensive line going. And we've seen what the changes how their season kind of dipped down in form as the season went along. So it's a big big uh, move on here for the organization, the San, Di- San Diego Chargers, Nick Hardwick retiring from the National Football League. DJ, some news then from the Cleveland Browns and Johnny Manziel is going to spend the start off his off-season in a rehabilitation centre. Obviously, we all know how bad his rookie season went, but you know, obviously there was stuff going on behind the scenes and not a lot has come out about it, but we'll, we'll see how he goes. He's obviously gone in. People are saying it's a very mature decision from him and you know, hopefully he can get on track. We all know the situation up there with Josh Gordon and hopefully it's not another Cleveland Browns player who's going to have constant issues around him but um johnny really needs to to get his act together get himself settled down and start playing in the nfl because i wouldn't be one bit surprised if the browns take a chance on another quarterback this uh, this draft and you know see how see how things go for them there just to take a chance on a couple of guys and i think we'll see brian hoyer likely back this year as well because i don't think he can go into next season with him as the starter uh, unless he proves himself this offseason so johnny manzel they're uh, entering a treatment facility and uh, DJ, some other disappointing news coming in, and that is that Hall of Fame defensive tackle Warren Sapp was fired from his job as an analyst at the NFL Network. He was arrested in Phoenix on Monday morning. That is, of course, the day after the Super Bowl. He worked for the NFL Network uh, on the Super Bowl coverage, and he was arrested on one count of soliciting prostitution and two counts of assault. So both misdemeanor offences, but uh, he's held on a bond of $1,500. But, you know, uh, there was an announcement by Alex Rimmether, NFL Network spokesperson, that Warren Sapp's contract has been terminated terminated and he no longer works for the NFL Network. So, you know, it's a a swift decision by the NFL Network, obviously something that uh, they don't agree with. Uh, You know, it is is an offence and... You know, it's uh, disappointing. The one thing I would take away is disappointing anyone that's in a kind of high-profile job, has a job like this. Obviously, he's a Hall of Famer, played in the league for a long time and, uh, you know, has left his legacy in that mark. But anyone that's in these, you know, high-profile jobs, whether it be government, whether it be on TV, whatever, I'm not going to go through the thing that people will say, oh, these football players are role models. They're not. If you're looking up to a football player as a standard of how you live your life, it's uh, not, not the way to go. If you look at guys, you know, Josh Gordon might be a nice guy, but he's definitely not a role model for any young children or that, or same with Johnny Manziel and so on and so forth. So I don't go down that road, but it's just disappointing when people in a position, you know, a high-profile position like this do things. Maybe sometimes they think they're maybe a little bit above the law. I'm not I'm not too sure what, what the situation is, but it's always disappointing uh, when you when you hear news like this. Um, nothing else really much to say, DJ, is there? No, Colm, it's, as you say, it's disappointing, and hopefully it will be the only thing that we hear about it. NFL players or former NFL players doing silly when 
during the off season. Yeah, and DJ, I'll give you uh, odds on that of being very, very slim because, as we know, throughout the off season, we'll get a lot, a lot of stories, including the one like Johnny Mansell going to rehab, which is maybe he's looking to get get things a bit more positive for him. But you know, the, there's always stuff in the off season. We'll hear about it uh, each and every year. I think it was two years ago, DJ, that they broke the record for the most arrests. But last year was quite a good year in terms of uh, players off the field in the off season. So. We'll see, we'll see how things go there. Uh, DJ, we ran two competitions over the weekend for the Super Bowl, so let's uh, give out those prizes right now. Competition time with OTI. So, DJ, we'll start off, first of all, the competition, obviously, for the uh, correct score in the Super Bowl. Final score, obviously, a 28-24 win for the New England Patriots, and the winner of this competition in the uh, overtime Ireland short is... AJF Sports. Their Twitter handle is at AJF underscore Sports, and they uh, they had a predicted score of thirty to twenty four. So only two points out on the Patriots side had the the Seahawks score correct. So congratulations to them. And uh, just by looking at their profile page um, on Twitter, they have uh, you know uh, seem to have a range of artwork that they're doing and uh, very very interesting. Some montages and all between soccer, uh, see some Arsenal stuff here, but they have some nice stuff, you know, NFL-related stuff. They have some Patriots stuff here, Tom Brady, and then the Green Bay Packers and the Steelers, among other teams. So worth worth checking that out. Uh, and I see their website is printbyname.co.uk. So, you know, anyone looking for some sports memorabilia of a, of a you know, a unique variety, uh, definitely check that out. And DJ, of course, we had the main competition this week, and uh, we've been giving away those T-shirts all season long, and you know, we might continue to do it in some farmer fashion in the off season if we can come up with an idea. But the main competition this week was with FootballAmerica.co.uk, and as I mentioned earlier in the show, you can find them on Twitter at FAmerica. Fantastic uh, range of products up on their website; definitely worth checking out. We've done a few competitions with them in the past. Fantastic folks to deal with, and uh, a great a great competition. I really do thank them for. Uh, being involved with us over the Super Bowl weekend um, can't thank them enough and uh, I do highly recommend going and checking out footballamerica.co.uk that competition had a huge response DJ and uh, over a thousand retweets throughout the various tweets that we done and um, picking out the winner of it was done by simply putting all the names into a hat each each entry was uh, by a retweet everyone that retweeted got an entry and if you had more than one retweet that was counted I mentioned there was no limit on the amount of entries you could have so after going through all that dj um we still haven't got the effect for the drum roll sound effect but uh of course we have your uh, trusted drum rolling skills i don't know what's happened dj's drum kit but sounds uh, a lot lower than normal <laughs> not, not as good a sound effect as you usually have working there dj but the winner of this was sean rice and i can see here from his twitter profile that he's a dallas cowboys fan from birmingham I th- well, he says he supports the Birmingham Bulls, or he plays for the Birmingham Bulls, actually, as a running back. That's what it says. And uh, so he's obviously living in the Birmingham area. His Twitter handle is Racy184. And that there ball for the Super Bowl will be going directly to you. We'll be getting in touch with you ASAP and get that ball sent out courtesy of footballamerica.co.uk. So thanks to everyone who entered. Hopefully we'll have more competitions coming up throughout the off-season and uh, certainly into next season. Maybe we'll do a competition for the for the draft. We had a competition last year for the NFL draft. So all that to look forward to. We'll be getting people on the show in the next few weeks talking about all things NFL draft. People who watch the college game at a, on a regular basis, do study the tape, and uh, we'll be breaking down what way they think the first round and so on of the draft will go. Maybe what the needs of some of the teams are. And we're going to be doing a special piece as well on uh, all the teams around the league going on kind of a review off last season and looking forward to what they need to do in the draft and next season we'll have on a number of people that are going to come on and talk about their team and uh, 
the goals and what they thought of the season, maybe what was positive about the season, what was negative about the season. And we'll be having on guys like the UK Cowboys fans and we'll be having on the UK Packers fan group and lots of things like that there. People from around the league will probably have rushed back on to talk about the New England Patriots again, but lots of stuff like that. Different people representing different teams and uh, looking forward to doing that as the next few weeks go. We'll probably do two or three teams per show. So looking forward to that. And we'll also have some players uh, past and present on the show to, to talk about playing in the nfl and so on and so forth so looking forward to bringing all that to you and as always any guest suggestions you might have do send them our way and uh, we'll, we'll try and make them happen so looking forward to continuing throughout the offseason we'll be going down to one podcast a week and uh, you know we'll we'll keep things going probably an hour-long podcast uh, each week to try and any little bits of news that leak out probably nfl players getting arrested and so on and so forth but dj really outside of that uh, that's everything wrapped up thanks again to russ for coming on the show as always and uh, I'm sure DJ will be glowing in the, or basking in the glow of the, the Super Bowl championship over the next few weeks and throughout the offseason. But until we're back next week, uh, we'll have no later show later in the week this week due to there'll be no games this coming weekend. We'll be back next week. Stay tuned to the At Overtime Ireland Twitter feed. And really, until then, all that's left to say is I'm Colin. I'm DJ, Super Bowl champions fan. And until then, have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Check out OvertimeIreland.com and continue to spread the word. This has been an Overtime Ireland production.